So as we gather today, I'd like to offer a prayerful acknowledgement of the lands on which we sit, as well as the people of these lands. I remind us that Unity Center of Norwalk was formed in Connecticut, and in the Lenape language, Connecticut means besides the long tidal river. This sacred land has been traveled by many native confederacies and nations, including Wappinger, Munse Lenape, and Pequannock. May we pay respect to all these people. We honor their legacy, their lives, and their descendants who carry on traditions for present and future generations. The day after I shared with Sean the title of my talk, this was my daily reading. God is love, and love is infinitely healing. Divine love is flowing through my mind and emotions, dissolving in my consciousness all hard thought and hard feelings towards others, and healing the resolute manifestations in my body. If any part of my body needs healing, divine love is now restoring it to wholeness. Love purifies whatever needs cleansing, banishes infection, completely dissolves false growth. Divine love fills me with harmony, health, and vigor. The warmth of divine love permeates my affairs, melting away all obstructions to the perfect circulation of God's good. The creative power of God is now flowing freely in my life, healing me of lack and frustration. Divine love heals me of fear, anxiety, confusion, and doubt. It makes my faith strong and unswerving. God is light and in him is no darkness. Therefore, I trust the light of pure love to guide me safely, serenely, steadily. I do not need to see the way ahead for God knows it. God is my security. And that was by Claudine Whitaker. The, my title of my talk is Love, the Power of Unity. And this month, we're looking at the power of love. Charles Fillmore became aware that as Jesus' soul evolved, he called to himself the disciples. So what Charles helped us to do is to look at the metaphysical interpretation of that. And as we develop our personal consciousness to our spiritual consciousness, we begin to deliberately train deepen our understanding, and more effectively use these powers. The power of love is the highest of all 12 powers. In Corinthians 13.13 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The masculine apostle for love is John, and the feminine is Mary, mother of Jesus. The color is pink. And the power is found behind the heart. In Keep a True Lent, Charles Fillmore says, Love in divine mind is the idea of universal unity. In expression, it is the power that joins and binds together the universe and everything in it. Love is a harmonizing, constructive power. When it is made active in consciousness, it conserves substance and reconstructs, rebuilds, and restores us and our world. It's pretty powerful. But many of us, when we think of love, we think of romantic love. And a lot of times that, what that looks like for us is wanting somebody to love us. But are we willing to love them back? 
Because the truth is the heart is a muscle and it needs to be active. It needs to give and receive in order for the cycle to be complete. It's an action. It's an action. Love is an action of the soul. And it unites us to all that we desire and all that we need. And sometimes what we need isn't what we desire, but it's still coming to us from love. And that's the important thing that I got out of the research for this talk is to remember that no matter what is happening, to find love and see it in love. Because if you think back on your life, you'll realize that everything that came to you, you grew from it, you healed from it, you became expanded from it, hopefully. So lately, since March 29th, actually way before that, but March 29th was a significant day because I went to the dentist and I told the dentist that I had been struggling with some gum pain. And he said, you know, that tooth has a root canal. I think you need to go to a periodontist. I was like, oh boy, okay. So I made an appointment for the following week. Well, that whole week I was in so much pain. I, I was unbearable, the pain I was in. The periodontist describes this surgery that he's going to do on my gums and he's going to cut the gum around three of my teeth. And then when that's done, I'll probably have to replace two of the crowns in those teeth. So I was just like, wow, that sounds like a lot of pain and a lot of money, but mostly pain. <laughs> so I said, okay, so when can we do this? Now it was April 1st. It was Good Friday. Okay, our next appointment is April 30th. I'm like, a month? I have to wait a month for this? So I took the appointment and the next day they had me get prescription for extra strength Tylenol and some prescription ibuprofen. I called the next day and I said, look it, I'm in so much pain. Can I start taking these pills now? And the lady says, well, we didn't realize you were in that much pain. Why don't you come and see us now? I was like, okay. So I got in my car. I drove all the way to Brantford because they have a Milford office and a Brantford office. So they were in Brantford on Friday. And he said, you know, gum pain doesn't usually sound like it hurts that much. He said, would you mind if I took a 3D x-ray? I'm like, if it prevents me from having gun surgery, sure, knock your socks off. So he did this x-ray and he said, I think it's that root canal. I think it's the root canal. See this dark spot under there? I think you need to redo your root canal. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I get to have a root canal instead of gum surgery. I was so happy. I was so happy. I was sending my mouth love. I'm like, look, it works. It works. I went from having gum surgery to a root canal. So now I have to make an appointment with an uh, endodontist. So the endodontist appointment is April 20th. Now, miraculously, the periodontist had given me one round of antibiotics and the pain went away. So I haven't been in pain, knock on wood, since April 1st or so. Anyway, on Tuesday, I go to the endodontist, and first of all, she can't read the x-ray that the guy gave her that I got from the periodontist, so they have to redo it, and then she looks at it, and in like 10 seconds, she's like, it's not the root canal, it's the tooth behind it. Look, you see this gaping hole here? You need to have that tooth extracted. I was like, yes, that's so exciting. I get to have a tooth removed that had a crown on it that was supposed to be replaced instead of going through all that other stuff. So my point is... If you don't see the good in something, it's not over yet. So I'm thrilled. This week on Wednesday, I'm going to have my tooth pulled and all of this is going to be done with. I'm very excited about it. But what it taught me was to keep asking myself, how could this be the very best thing that could happen? 
And every time I asked myself, I got a better answer, an answer that I liked better anyway. So it, it's the question that you want to start asking yourself because all that happens in our life is from love, whether we like it or not, right? So ask, what is it that love is trying to show me right now? I have another story about a Hindu king and he had a very loyal advisor. But this loyal advisor had a kind of annoying habit that whenever anything happened, he said, that's a good thing. So one day they go out hunting and the king actually lost his toe during this hunting trip. And so the loyal advisor said, that's a good thing. And the kid, king was so annoyed that he fired him. He's like, you're out of here. I'm done with you. So the king heals and he goes on another hunting exhibition and he gets captured by his enemies and his enemies are going to use him as a sacrifice, but they realize he doesn't have a toe. So he is not worthy of the sacrifice because he is no longer whole. So the king was relieved. He said, I'm going back and I'm hiring that loyal advisor. So he goes back to the advisor and he says, look, I want to hire you back. You're right. It was good that I lost my toe, but I have to ask you something. Why or how did you think it was good that I fired you at that moment? So the loyal advisor said, well, I cannot predict the future. I just know there's good in everything. And honestly, if you hadn't fired me, I would have been with you during that exhibition. And guess who would have been the sacrifice? <laughs> so if you don't see the good in it, it's not over yet. It's not our job to know how it is good. It's just our job to have faith and to trust that love is here. So take a moment and go into your heart. And what in your life right now is giving you some trouble? Where do you feel like you're a victim? Or where do you feel shame? Or where do you feel blame? Where do you not like what's going on? And shine the light of love on it so that you can see what it is that it's trying to show you. As you focus on that and you focus on your heart, just beam pink light to it. And remember, when things aren't going as we planned, chances are there's another plan that's better and it's surrounded in love. Booker T. Washington said, don't ever, get, don't ever give someone the power to reduce you to the level where you could hate. This power of ours, this power of love is the most powerful power that there is. Don't give it away to in, in the sense of allowing yourself to be anything except ready to love. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to be, is to be filled with love. Another perspective is, you know, if, if we believe God is omniscient, um, omnipresent, and omnipotent, how could there be anything that we are afraid of? If God is in everything, we have to look at our fear and say, God is here too. We cannot fear anything or anyone when we have a full realization that God is everywhere, that God is love, and love is the great power of life. So I want to share two ways that maybe you might choose to bring more love into your life. The first one is my one of my favorite ministers, Reverend Kelly Isola, has a blog, and she calls herself the preacher chick, and she suggests that we up-level our thinking and consciousness from the golden rule to the platinum rule. Now, for those of you who don't know what the golden rule is, the golden rule is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, the platinum rule is 
do unto others as they would have done unto themselves. So what this means is I have to get out of myself and I have to get into what that means for you. I have to have empathy. I have to ask questions. I have to have compassion. I have to have a connection with somebody else in order for me to give to them what it is that they want. And this, this shifts our focus from ourselves to the other. It broadens who we are. It broadens our, our, our perspective. I have to get to know you. I have to inhabit what we have in common and celebrate our differences in order to do this platinum rule. When we listen and give ourselves freely, we are practicing care between self and other. We open to the power of togetherness, to oneness, and how that brings more love, prosperity, and meaning to our lives. We are actually all here to be in service. So not, why not be in service to those that we want to serve in the way that they want to be served? It takes courage. It takes vulnerability. It takes willingness. But it means that we become present enough to know what matters to the other person. To what, for what they long for. And then we get to see how we're connected. And we also get to see how we're not connected and how we can change that. When I expand by becoming part of the greater whole by going platinum, our divinity becomes magnified. And together we find what is possible for all of life. The power, this is the power of love. It magnifies all good as we serve, heal, and grow. So the platinum rule, do unto others as they would have done unto themselves. The second one is what Kenneth was talking about. I've been listening to Michael Beckwith and his life visioning process. And he talks a lot about forgiveness. And he feels, and it makes sense, that all forgiveness is self-forgiveness. Forgiveness is the releasing of mental, emotional, and physical toxicity that comes from carrying resentment and animosity. This is how we move out of victim consciousness. When we forgive, we are letting go of blame and shame and opening ourselves to taking responsibility for our lives. There is no transformative value for blame and shame and guilt. So when we forgive ourselves or we forgive others, we're making room for more compassion and for more love. There's two ways to forgive. We can either forgive others for harming us or we forgive ourselves for doing the harm that we may know we did or even that we don't know that we did. But we're forgiving ourselves and we're forgiving others. And even when we forgive others, it's a, it's a self-forgiveness process. Because we are unbinding ourselves from the perception that causes harm to others. Unforgiveness is actually a form of self-abuse. We keep repeating the thoughts that are producing toxic chemicals in the body, debilitating our immune system and breaking coherence of the brain so that we cannot fully function optimally. So self-forgiveness is freeing. Any forgiveness is freeing. So you may want to just sit back and take a breath and say to yourself, I take responsibility for my actions. Forgive myself from anything I may have done to knowingly or unknowingly hurt myself or others. I claim freedom now. And then you can go into meditation holding onto this and be honest with yourself on what you've done or what you haven't done. And also remember that as human beings, sometimes we act out of ignorance. 
So sometimes that might be a way to help us forgive other people. But be still and visualize the individual and see their face and forgive them. And if it's your own face, see that and forgive your own, forgive yourself. You haven't forgotten what happened, but the energy around what happens diminishes. It becomes an event that took place in your experience, which strengthened your capacity to love yourself and to love, period. And thoughts about this person will have no effect on you anymore. Practicing a forgiveness meditation will make you want to forgive more. It's just giving way for a new thought. Now there's stages of forgiveness. The first stage is being willing. The second stage is actually doing it, doing the meditation. The third stage is to be willing to see it from their perspective. Put yourself in their shoes, walk a mile in their moccasins. The fourth stage is to wish them well from your inner self. And the fifth stage is to do something symbolically to send positive energy in their way. It's a great way to set yourself free. And the hardest forgiveness is betrayal, forgiving a betrayal. But this is a great way to do that. It will unite you with others. So to summarize, you want to start asking yourself, how could this be the very best thing that could happen? What is love showing me now? Remember this when things are going according to your plan and when they're not. The second is the platinum rule, do unto others as they want done to them. And the third is forgiveness, expands us into unity with all that is and are limitless. So it takes courage. There are actually four qualities of courage this does. This takes it's courage to send love in the face of worldly tri trials. It takes courage to carry the conviction that the divine lives in every situation and life form. It takes courage to be courageous as a dauntless joy in the midst of pain and pleasure. And to exemplify courage, not as an expectation of good results, but as a statement of love for God in spite of results. So our affirmations, first we're going to start with a denial. Any sense of discord or conflict evaporates. I let go of resentment, anger, and blame right now. Affirmations are, I am a radiating center of God's love. I am harmony and serenity. An inexhaustible stream of divine love pours through me, blessing others and myself. And love is universal unity. I am connected to all that is. Thank you. I miss you. I appreciate you. I love you. And remember, you are blessed and a blessing.